fabulous episode of Stupid Hearts Club. This episode, I think, is a rather special. And it's the most sort of tinkering and editing I've ever had to do. And also, it's like a dramatic fucking arc, because I did it in three distinct sections. Not that it's, like, that clever or anything. Basically... Flavor Fred, our guest this week, is a brilliant guy that used to run a pub or the food side of a pub near me in St Albans called the Foragers at the Varilam Arms. And they did wild food walks and the menu had all sorts of wild food ingredients on it. And it was Flavor Fred, otherwise known as George Fredenham, that uh, that oversaw that and I made friends with him and then after that neither of us were living there anymore and we stayed in touch and I've been watching him, you know, doing his, his content on Instagram under Flavor Fred and I was like, I've got... I've, we've made friends and uh, hung out a little bit and I was like, I've got to have you on the pod, mate. It'd be great. So uh, we were supposed to go for a forage and just do the whole episode just out and about to start with, but it absolutely pissed it down on that day. So we decanted ourselves into a fancy pub and had quite a fancy lunch um, just before Christmas. Turns out on my son's birthday. So, you know, I I, uh, wined and dined a different George until George is old enough to drink booze with his father. Anyway, uh, it's a brilliant episode. It starts in a restaurant with two men chatting and eating fancy food and getting pissed, like some sort of uh, end of 23 version of uh, With Nail and I in the cake shop. And then um, we went to my house and had a, had like the, did the, the sort of normal bit of, of the sort of pod interview at mine with Doggy sat in the middle of us, Scarlet. And we're a little bit pissed, I think. But apart from a few little slurpy little wine gob type noises, it's really good. Anyway, enjoy the episode. It's a bit of an epic. And at the end of it, there's uh, about 15, 20 minutes of us genuinely foraging, which we did later on. And it's fucking fascinating. He's a really, really smart guy. Enjoy the episode, guys. And here we go. Right, we are sitting in the Ginger Pig in Hove. And I'm here with George. It's pissing down. We were supposed to go on a forage. But instead we've had a bougie lunch like 
like one of us is like we're like Sienna Miller and Sadie Frost. I'm Sadie. I'm Sienna. <laughs> right, so what did you have for breakfast this morning, George? I, I just want to make sure that this is very clear. This is this is the old this is the old me. Yeah, go on. Eggs and venison fillet. Eggs and venison fillet. Yep. Fried. What like 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 as if it's bacon. No, 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 it cooks, it's a steak. So I cooked it like rare. Right. With uh, some butter and some salt. So you're frying up this venison fillet. Yeah. How big is that? It was like this big. That's about, guys, that's about the size of a shop-bought chicken Kiev. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually a flattened one. Yeah. So this is like the loin, so it's basically the same as getting us like a strip loin. Right. And then I cooked in a bit of butter, seasoning. In the meantime, I like scrambled some eggs and uh, I had it with a bit of mustard. No carbs. No carbs. See, that's good. Yeah, and it's a lean, it's a lean meat. What egg was it? Was it a venison egg? Yeah. <laughs> Came out of the mouth of a venison egg. <laughs> Born with it. Like my son. Yeah. No, it was just a free range hen egg. Do you buy uh, Burford Browns and like quail eggs and shit like that? If I can't get free range eggs locally, then I'll get Burford Browns, yeah. Do you, nip, do you uh, pull over on the road and buy eggs from Yes, farms? that is exactly I what I do. I don't know why I've never done that. I like, I like, a, I like an egg sign. Yeah. I like a stop, stop it's here. It's not that far to egg signs either, is it? No, they're everywhere. Get some good eggs. Actually, do you know what? That's a fucking good call, that, because probably my favourite thing at all, all times it has to be egg. Egg. Egg three ways. And actually, yeah, because um, I think I'm about to find out that I'm pre-diabetic again. Mm. So eggs will be all right. Eggs will be all right, but Those what I'm saying is I, I cut down on bread. So if I make, like, eggs with kale and mushrooms and I have it with... Kale. if. if yeah. Do you like kale? I like kale, yeah. Without the bit down the middle? Yeah, yeah, you're trying to get rid of that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, not that that, it doesn't bother me that much. It's something to chew on, isn't it? stringy. It is a bit stringy. If you cut across it, it's just like a thing, yeah. you know? Anyway, carry on. Anyway, right. So, protein in the morning, but my, my uh, life hack protein is... Protein in the morning, pie, pie for lunch? Pie for lunch. Pie and four cocktails. <laughs> Oh, you've just imbibed a lemon. Delicious. Um, do you eat a lot of bread? That's the thing I'm supposed to not eat as much of. I love, I bake. I'm a big... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a bit of bread. Bread is the best, but it's, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's fucking good on the way in, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, it... I think I do get bloated. I wouldn't be surprised if I had like some mild gluten nonsense going on, but unless I, I'm I forced to, I'm not going to find out. Cause it's I, not... I think in general, like wheat is not. Yeah. It's not full of high nutritional items if you're looking at that aspect. Mm. But then again, you don't want to eat kale all day long, do you? So. I feel a bit rude for the people that discovered wheat and then made like nearly everything out of it and now yeah. it's like, oh, we shouldn't be eating wheat. Yeah. It's like, uh, none of us would be here if we hadn't eaten wheat. 
Yeah, same no. with meat actually. Yeah, and I don't, and I'm not political about meat and vegetarianism because it's like it's absolutely understandable mm. in where we're at planet-wise and all that. But I do also think the story of our, um, you know, our journey from chimpanzee to what we are now, a large part of why we got a functioning amazing brain is because we went high protein mm. back in the day back in the day as they as they call the neolithic age yeah. whatever don't way, even know what way age back I'm, when way back when hey you know yeah. hey look gentler times right yeah but because we've got a my my excuse is there's at least one little sharp tooth the old canine yeah yeah, yeah. is it a canine yeah it's a canine um we're not all born they're not they're not for not for the hard bit of kale, are they? Well, back they, your, well they, they are. Your chompers at the back do that. Yeah. So, not that, everyone's born with canines anymore, you know? Really? Is that how they know you're a vegan? I it's a know. vegan you're, as soon as you're born. I don't know. Emily's got no canines. Really? She was born as a vegan. So you know, you're not a bit suspicious of that. I'm very suspicious of everything. She could have sorted that out. Has she ever been to Turkey without you knowing? <laughs> no. And come back with vegan teeth. Come, come back with someone else's mouth. I mean, them teeth look grim. No, what the uh, the white teeth that people are getting? When they cut, yeah. Well, the, then they show you the just the nubbins. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been veggie? I am. I am. I guess like I've never like said I'm gonna be veggie, but I I do now eat a lot more vegetables. Yeah, that's that's for me. That's the way. At that's home, the way I call that. myself. Yeah, I'm like eighty percent of the time. I'm trying to eat more vegetables. Yeah, but, but you're pretty good with them as well, though, because you are. I like cooking. You like cooking. Mm. Have you got any? Um, what's your? Is there like a little fad of veggie tricks that you're up to at the moment that uh, you could pass on? Because the the thing I've been living off which is my low-carb trick, is the roasted cauliflower with, like... Mm. Well, basically, roasted cauliflower with red peppers, um, broccoli, and then I'll sort of... There'll be sliced garlic in it and maybe a bit of lemon juice, maybe a bit of parmesan, whatever. Sounds nice. Fucking lovely, right? Mm. And that, that'll be better for you than, like, spuds, right? Y- yeah. In terms of uh, carbs. Have you, what, have you got any, like, sort of, like, I roast, routine? I roast a butternut squash. Or a squash or a pumpkin. What, whole? Yeah. Right. Just chuck on. it straight in. Then once it's soft, I scoop it out and I blitz it with uh, nutmeg, bit of smoked paprika, lemon juice, olive oil, and then that makes a nice, like, spicy, interesting, tangy sauce. Oh, and yeah. I use that on the base of pizza. I use it for oh, a pasta really? sauce. I use it for a soup. Sometimes I mix coconut milk with it and add in other bits. So you're sort of making a, a yeah. thick veg paste. Yeah, like a yeah, it's just a, a squash. What was it? Smoked paprika, uh, nutmeg, nutmeg, lemon juice, olive oil, or lemon mm. juice and other oils on a like a roasted squash. So yeah, they make a yeah, puree. Yeah. It's a puree. When you so, say blitz in a little blender. Yeah, like a Nutribullet or I mean, it, it basically nice. is a paste already. The gnocchi is very nice. Put some walnuts on top. Mm. Get some of them really bad for you crispy onions. Oh yeah, yeah. what the shop ones? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. They're vegetarian. Mm. That's why I do that a lot. I do that a lot. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit shy of uh, food mixers. I always, I, 
I'll get one out and like intend to use it. It just doesn't happen. Mm. Make soups. I've only, got, soups. I've only got one soup up my, up my sleeve. Why? I don't know. I just made it. Made it uh, briefly years ago. Me and me and George's mum were getting Abel and Cole boxes. Right. And then one week it said, "Here's some beetroot. Chop them up. Make make some soup, and then have." orange zest and mint leaves with it right and it's like the nicest thing i've ever had it sounds nice so nice last night i had soup celeriac apple and chestnut soup whoa that's that's fancy that that's fancy that's that. vegetarian and that's did that get baked whole yeah did it like literally no oil or anything just um did i bake it whole actually no i didn't i i i chuck everything i just Cook some onions and then chuck in apple. Oh right, so area straight in, and then blitz it. Some seasoning. To and be then, fair, that and then is one of the chestnut. one of the great soups. I don't think I'd heard of a celeriac till about I'm going to say 2006. Mm. I mean, obviously they existed before then, right? <laughs> it's the but root, it became a it's thing. The root right? of the celery. Really? Is it? Yeah, so celery and celeriac are the same plant, but varied based upon the evolution. I guess how you would focus the energy. When you say the root, you mean like the family root, not it's literally that's down there and the celery. No, no, that's it. It's it's the idea of celeriac versus celery is a variance on a plant where they've focused on the growth structure of the root to get celeriac. Uh, Whereas if you grow celery, you focus on the growth structure of the shoot. Mm. rather than the root so that is the difference between the two they're just a variation of the same actual plant right scientifically if you were in a tight spot what would you want who would you want beside you celery or celeriac well I haven't eaten wild celery it's very nice wild celery yeah where's that I ate it in the UK really yeah it's really nice it doesn't taste like water Right, so, yeah. like celery, you buy supermarket celery. Supermarket celery is just water repackaged, basically, in a way. Yeah. Wild celery's got very floral, fragrant flavour. It's delicious, actually. You got a fly on your head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah. yeah it comes with me everywhere. Does it? Yeah. Um. Let's let's talk through what we've had, George. What did we have? What did we have? Yeah. What uh, did you have? I, I, uh, <laughs> I had some salt cold fritters. Yeah. Then a bit of goose with some duck liver parfait and some sort of spiced bread. Mm-hmm. And then. What did I have? You <laughs> I had a. You that. had a. You had a salmon. Had, oh, I did. I had a salmon. Yeah, cured go- salmon. Yeah. It didn't look cured. It still looked dead to me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now. And then a pie each. Yeah, we Am had, I wrong? We had pies. Am I wrong? It's a drizzly day. Glass of wine. Spicy margaritas before that. Oh yeah, that was good. And now, now I'm looking at dessert. Are you going sweet or cheese? I want a bit of both. I'm going mulled wine poached pears with cinnamon ice cream. Yeah. Nice. To be um, fair, I, I would like to have the mulled wine poached pears with the bread from my starter. Oh, yeah. And then some blue cheese. And <laughs> some gravy. Oh, no, no, no. That's a, oh, yeah, right, that's a good mix. That's a good combo. That man. is a fucking good combo. Yeah. That, what was in that pie again? 
it was hoggett pie. I didn't even ask what that is. I mean, hoggett, what, it's yeah. not. It's like a. It's it's not a lamb. Oh so right. It's like a, a year to two year old. So becoming, so a, sh- becoming a teenage a lamb. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. We've just eaten a teenager. Reading a teenager. Well, I, I think we can clink glasses on that one because my son's fifteen today. Cheers. Um, you're George. He's George. It's na- oh dear. It's national. It's national George Day. Is it? Yeah. It is for me. Good. Have you ever watched anyone being born? No. It's fucking mental. Yeah. It's like, have you ever watched American Wealth in London? Yeah, I have, yeah. yeah it's just like that. <laughs> it's just like I that. I could... I, I made the decision not to have children a long time ago. Did you? Yeah. Well, I've got a good one. But when he was born, when they put him, they brought him out, put him on this, like, table under a lamp. And he's like purple because he's never been outside ever. Mm. He was purple, and you're not going to like this, but I'm going to say it. He he was there was like a yellow turd in his mouth, <laughs> and they fished it out. Like not a big problem for them. It's just like was it a, a obviously not a real turd? Yeah, well, not a joke one. It's not. It's like he's no. funny, but he's not. That funny. No, but like it wasn't a real turd. It was. It's like his first ever poo probably happened while he was being born and then it ended it all and up, it, up it his... it flipped up puppies. into his mouth. <laughs> Not a great start, is it? So he held on to so a turd. Basically, mouth. I saw this blue glove go, go in and just, like, pop it back out. And gestures <laughs> right. I've just done the little pinky <laughs> hook finger to display it, right? Oh, but no. he is purple. But the light is making him go flesh-coloured. Well, sorry, white person-coloured. And... Um, uh, it's the. I was just like, I've never seen any of this before. I, d- I don't know who I am anymore. And it, and it turns out I'm his dad. Right, what dessert do you want? My, um, <laughs> Blue raisin cream. I'll have the purple, I'll have the purple mewling. Uh, aubergine. With, with, aubergine the, with the, the yellow, yeah? the yellow cone of virginal poo. I was like, hey, George, uh, it's, it's, it's five why four. don't you tell me how you find a mushroom? <laughs> And then it rained a bit, yeah. so I went, let's just be like a couple of lushes. It's like an episode of The Trip, but with, uh, without the impressions, unless you feel like you can do some impressions. Impressions? Yeah. No, no, I shouldn't <laughs> do my impressions. You were very quick to like, cancel the walking, but I'm glad you did. It was... Well, it absolutely fucking tanked it down. Yeah, like, but, but, you know... Well, we'll still do that, but we'll do it. We'll do it on a day not on the same day as the pod. How long would our would our when we do our um, forest forage? How long do you usually snaffle away for? A couple hours. Yeah. yeah. Do you have, have you ever come home empty-handed from the forage? All the time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. If I'm going out, you told me that. I'm glad you told me that. Yeah, if I'm going for certain things, then yeah, yeah. there's always days where I come home with nothing. What's but, the weirdest thing you've ever come home with, like a grenade and some sausages? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I found. I mean, you know, you always find weird shrines. That happens quite a lot. Uh, I found. I once found a jar that I thought had something really cool in it, so I opened it up. And inside was a preserved lemon cut in half with a photo of someone. So it was obviously oh. some sort of yeah shrine to someone who loved preserved lemons. So I put that back. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. 
I'd have eaten that. Would you? No, I'm joking. I felt really bad. To be yeah, honest. yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, there's, there, you, find, you know. I like the fact that I've, these. We, I've walked in on some, a couple, you know. Yeah. Dogging spots are often very similar to foraging spots. It's funny that you've ended up into that, isn't it? Yeah. The mushroom man. In tap, taps, he's tapping his nose just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daytime dogging. I mean, anytime dogging. Yeah, I suppose it's better if you're filming it. So sort of gets a bit tricky with the old uh, with the lighting, doesn't it? If you if you're filming it, yeah. Night dogging is. Uh, Night dogging requires a, an investment in some better equipment. Oh man, I feel a bit cheesy now. Tell you what, I'm stopping this while this fucking song's on. I hate it. Nope. Well, wasn't that a bit lush? Now we are um, jumping in George's van with Scarlett and going back to my house for a sit down and a chat. And so it's a slightly different environment. Enjoy part two of this Stupid Hearts Club episode with Flavor Fred. You haven't drunk as much as the Negroni as I thought. Really? Fact, you've got the, well, sm- I, I, the I, smallest I, shaker as well. Yeah, well, it was like it was like a little gift set. You got all the best. All you got all the best stuff in here. My drink. Yeah. You got. Uh, Tell us about your drink. It's it's. Uh, it's not actually a Negroni in terms of the sense that the ingredients it's made up from are not traditional. So classic Negroni is... Who gives a shit about what the classic Negroni is? <laughs> well, the listeners might. <laughs> if, you, if you're uh, not sophisticated like I am and don't know what a Negroni is, it's got usually gin, Campari Red and martini. Vermouth. Uh, vermouth yeah. in it, yeah. Well, and like yeah, a apparently. bit of orange peel or something like that. Yeah, so it's like three a, three ingredients. Some nice f- fat ice. Yeah, big fat cube of ice. Yeah, but your your Negroni. Yep. So why why did you des- decide to call it a Negroni? Like you know that isn't the the ingredients, but you thought you've stumbled on a recipe that is in the vicinity of a, of, of a Negroni. Because so it t- t- talk it, me through it, that because it is gorgeous. It t- it tastes like a Negroni. That was why I called it a Negroni. So it's almost like the vegan sausage that isn't that isn't a sausage, but it does taste like one. But it's made of booze. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, yeah, but go I, on. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to do it down because it's actually genuinely amazing. So, so the, the, tell us what's in it. The concept is very simple. A Negroni or a Campari is like a bitter sweet liqueur, right? Normally made with the peels of citrus fruits. Right. So this has none of that. Right. But what it does have is all the bitter herbs that used to be used to bitter uh, beer before hops became commonly used. Right. Um, so we're obviously here in East Sussex, not far from Kent, where you'll see all the oast houses where they would, you know, prepare all the hops and things oh, like right. that. Prior to that. I never even knew that's what an oast house is. So, yeah, that's the main use. A big industry for this part of the country. Anyway, the um, the main bittering herbs... Uh, the herbs that were used to bitter beer before hops became commonplace. So, so mugwort, which is an artemisia, so it's a, it's the cousin of wormwood. So, right. wormwood is what you use. You have to have uh, wormwood in a vermouth. Right. Um, so that's the reason it has the elements of a vermouth flavour. 
but also the other bitter herbs take up the area for the bitter sort of skins of the citrus. So I also use something called yarrow and also another one called um, ground ivy, which is this old world name is alehoof because it was one of the most prolific and easily um, gathered bittering herb to bitter beer. So those wow. three are the main bittering herbs. And then to get in front of the sort of the spiciness and the depth or the spices, I use a root called Woodavens. Uh, it's a plant called Woodavens, and the root is called clove root. So it's got the right. same oils as cloves in it, unsurprisingly. Eugenol. Um, so I use the roots from that. That's foraged via mostly gardens. It's a very common garden herb that most people just rip out the ground without thinking about. So what, through the grass? Yeah, it's like it, it kind of looks a little bit like a strawberry leaf in its infancy, and then as it gets older, it sort of spreads out, shoots up about to a foot with a yellow flower, and then has like what looks like a burr in it. So uh, it's it's a very common sort of fringes of woodland, but yeah, more often like garden plant. Scientific name is um, GM urbanum, gives you an idea that it's quite a what? prolific urban plant. Anyway, so I use that, and then I use birch bark, uh, which is a preservative, and also some quite interesting deep flavors woodiness believe it or not so to so when you've got all these ingredients yep. which some of which are like literally leaves some of which are like what like bits of they're, they're flavory wood kind of yeah so they're basically roots shoots and barks right and those are, that's what i use to in make quite a still in quite a sort of in the form that you've sort of found and maybe broken up a bit or is it like yes. ground or anything no, no, like no, that no. No. so i i gather them uh so I'll do them one by one. Mugwort, I gather them. I like to gather them when they're just going into flower. Right. Uh, as with yarrow, so with summer collecting in the summer. Um, and then the ground ivy, I'll happily collect all year round. Uh, birch bark, I like to do it when the, the birch is sort of just coming out of autumn, but you can quite easily peel away the bark without doing any damage to the tree. And then the, the wood avens, I normally do like late spring before they go into flower or to seed. Um, and that's... Those ingredients are just basically submerged in a an alcohol, a strong alcohol. Sits at about 80%, uh, which obviously you can't buy in your shops, but uh, you can order online or get a license to get it in larger quantities like I do. And then I leave those ingredients basically to sit for the best part of six months together, getting all that bitterness, all those lovely flavours In together, what, though? In like an 80% alcohol. Oh, right. So it's an infusion. And then at the end of that period in time, I uh, strain them all out. And then depending on what drink I'm making, I'll add different fruits. But the Negroni is a, a happy mixture of my summer liqueur, which is with cherries and bay. Ooh, I think I'd like that. So that's, that's one part of the Negroni. And then the other part is all the bilberries, damsons and elderberries that oh. I gather. So basically, I made two different drinks. One's called a wild fruits blend, and one's called a um, an Astas bittersweet liqueur with cherry and bay. Oh, and I, I just mixed them together one day, and they tasted just like a Negroni. And that's where the full year Negroni came from. Mate, it is so nice. I mean, the fact that I, when you gave it me, and you said have some, and you get in and let me know. But we, but we'd had a little lunch, haven't we? And I, I got all the way home, and it was a bit late. I was a bit tired, mm. and I didn't have any until the Friday, when I was in with my mate. To be fair, we weren't like too pissed up. We'd had a cute couple of beers, but I was just like, "This is, it's fucking great." Especially because you just pour it onto ice. Didn't you say you could have a bit of soda on it? 
Yeah, some people put soda on top. Some people would do like spaghetti. No, it was just like I, a win for me. A winter drink. I like it a bit sticky. Yeah, no, it's good. That was so so good, mate. Like it's, I'm like really. It's a full on that you gave it fruity. Me. Yeah, flipping great thing. So with you knowing, um, like almost a history of where how all these things are made, and obviously a lot of the ingredients still exist. Yeah. So you are. Do you have you ever made something that you believe to be like what beer used to taste like? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like a lot of breweries will claim they do something called a Gruet beer. Right. So all them herbs I mentioned earlier are all Gruet yeah. herbs. So that is basically, yeah, it's so the, the bittering herbs of yeah. old. Yep. Would have been made to make beer in casks, right? Well, I mean, if you look at the history of beer production, it's yeah, it's an interesting one because you've obviously got the idea that many villages would make their own brews. Mm. So you've just got to think back in terms of sort of how many of these sort of groups may have got together to enjoy a brew that may have turned everyone completely insane and hallucinate by bad foragers grabbing the wrong things or a fungal infection of grains like rye, ergot. That's where you can derive LSD from. Fuck. Without having sanitary brewing conditions like you must have, that's the main job with brewing. You can quite easily poison an entire village in that sort of period in time. So like a wow. lot of these brews going back would have been kind of the brews that you may have sort of blamed witches for making everyone going mad. Uh, but actually it's just a, a very bad process and bad foraging and bad collection of ingredients and then everyone's... Uh, Having psychotropic experiences. Yeah. So, like, the whole stories, you'll find there's loads of stories about them between, like, the 1400s and 1700s of people making brews and villagers going mad and dancing for days and feeling no pain. And then some poor woman gets, uh, you know, basically burnt. Blamed for it all. When they've got hangovers or what? Well, just, just, just like the church, I guess, is sort of Christianity coming in and sort of really taken charge of that sort of situation pointing fingers at people the knowledge that was lost by those people getting burnt or like even oh, man. you know drowned and whatnot yeah. um yeah church brewing the beer uh, obviously that started to gain some revenue hops became pretty useful ingredients they'd already figured them out they were a better preservative as well and then so would the church have decided we have to keep an eye on what goes into beer I think the church took that risk away and said, we now make beer. And uh, yeah. Is that where like Abbot Ale comes from? Yeah. So like monks going out and sort of gathering things is also quite a big part of it. But yeah, the idea that you don't, you want something that's not going to make your, you know, your whole village, your whole area be completely like lunatics was uh, part of the process of using hops and removing the risk from some of those bad items that were collected to brew the beer. So, well, having lived near Luton, mm. I reckon. You reckon? Uh, I reckon someone's still making it. You reckon? Reckon Charles, Charles <laughs> Wells is uh, <laughs> is an old school brewery uh, making some some hallucinogenic. Could be. Yeah. So, like, when when was when did you start your journey of being deeply intrigued by all this? Because it is bloody intriguing. Anyone, I think, very few people wouldn't go. Oh, really? Because it's just knowledge we don't have because we're we're so unconnected to food and ingredients and natural resources around us. Nearly everyone I know, it's like if you start, if someone knows what they're on about with stuff like this, everyone shuts up and listens. So when when did you first start, you know, thinking, 
hang on a minute, this stuff's all around me and it's really interesting and start deep diving. I always, I think I always used to say that it was something that I learned growing up. Mm-hmm. So like my my mum's mum, my nan, I guess, had a, a sweet shop or something and, you know, they used to go and make sweets every now and then. But I, I barely remember that. But there was definitely some sort of moment in time where I was gathering and collecting things to make stuff. Right that I kind of hadn't really thought about how much I had taken it, that information in. Oh, right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I did what everyone Osmosis. did. Osmosis. Yeah, I did what everyone did. I had a job. I hated it after doing sort of various studies and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, after hating that job so much, I just ended up quitting it one day. Having uh, the stresses of that role, I was spending most of my time in Woodlands on weekends and kind of I guess was sort of using that time to sort of calm down a bit like unwind somehow and then yeah within about a year and a half of realizing that I couldn't do one of those mad jobs mm. um, talking like saying long words that I didn't really understand um, yeah. I just kind of spent more time making interesting products and breads and pickles and ferments that I sold on markets and then I had a restaurant a pub restaurant I should call it and then that was about nine years of my life up until I was sort of mid thirties. And then after that, basically I shut down that. And then after that, about four years uh, up until now I spent, yeah, a couple of years in Eastern Europe and then just, yeah, going deep in terms of some of the history and the folklore. And nowadays I like, I I'm even looking at how people used to use the land in different ways and different areas to sort of guide where I spend my time foraging and how I think about ingredients and where I can get them from, stuff like that. So yeah, it. I think it's been in the last eight years or so I've really like, that learning curve has gone really sharp. But uh, I think it's always been there, if you know what I mean. I just think now yeah. I've kind of honed into it a bit more. Do you feel like there are areas where you know the land well enough because you've, you've sort of been around it long enough, you could just like like nip round and rustle up a negroni a, a wild negroni the, the, and then you go to another area mm. on a weekend or whatever and you're walking around going hang on need to get the old handbook out here because you know is there basically vastly different stuff growing all over the country yeah i mean like you'll always find the same varieties of things that are quite common so like mm. the negroni ingredients are specifically actually very abundant items that aren't you know, like it'd be stupid for me to make a drink that I wanted to make in large amounts that I couldn't find stuff for. So it's oh, like yeah. the ingredients are quite, quite sort of obvious and available. But you do, yeah, you do go to areas and you kind of like think you're going to expect certain things and you don't see them. But yeah, have you tra- ever been anywhere in Britain and gone, I'm out of my depth here? What the fuck's this stuff? I'm, I don't know my seaweeds very well. Right, yeah. Um, it's weird. I was actually had an image then of, uh, you know, like Morecambe. Right, yeah. And all them sort of seaweeds and kelp and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I know the basics. Like, I know I know sort of quite a lot of coastal plants. I know a fair amount of seaweeds, but I don't know them to a, to a, a depth that I'm comfortable, like, leading a, a group of people around and talking about. But, yeah, that's that's kind of probably where I feel a bit more out of depth. In, in Scotland, in general, you've got much more sort of woodlands and environments that have more varieties of fungi. So, like... You know, right. I don't consider myself an expert in any sense on anything. I mm. consider myself as someone who's just like learning all the time. Yeah. But yeah, like I do, I do get my mind blown 
every single every single. But I guess you can probably, if I mean, I'm, this is just me completely guessing, but if you if you decide you're going to spend a bit of time, like I don't know, if you decide you're going to go up to, uh, I'm trying to think, Inverary or something, mm. um, obviously you might know that there's local whiskies and stuff like that. But will you look ahead at what what might be around so that you can then go and find that thing? What, as in, like, will I sort of get a sense of what might be growing in these areas? Yeah, like, it's a little bit like going, uh, or, you know, like, well, let's go to Sorrento and find the best lemons in the world. Right. Yeah, you know I'll, I mean? I'll, I'll always get a sense of what's growing. And actually, like, I would I would say, like, it's just when you go to different areas, it's just more of one thing than another. Like, mm-hmm. even even in Europe, like, I've, I've kind of traveled around enough to know that, you know, you will see. I, I can very easily recognize families. Like, so just think of it as a big family tree. I can, I can get to a point where I know exactly what group that will be in. Wow. So in terms on of site, that, yeah, just by like the key identifiers of how those plants will grow and their structures. I can, I can get to a family. I saw you in action once. I went on a when when you had the Saint Albans pub. Don't know whether you want to mention it or. Whatever, but no, that's fine. Yeah, what was it called? The Verulam Arms. The Foragers was the name of the. The Foragers, yeah, like it was magical, and uh, I don't know whether someone bought it me as a present, but it was like a Saturday afternoon forage with you. Mm. I don't. When, what what time of year is Chicken of the Woods? Uh, you'll find them late spring. Right. So yeah, I reckon it was September. Yeah. Oh no, late spring really. Well, you'll find them late spring all the way into. Oh autumn. right. No, yeah, but you know what? Maybe it was around sort of May, right? May, June. Anyway, you led it. It was about, I don't know, a dozen of us. There was you and another geezer. And we walked around. Um, you know, there was some woodland, but it was basically like near Batchwood Golf Course. Yeah. But you knew where all the booty was. And we were just following you around. And now and again, we'd stop and you'd point things out and, you know... What was the one that smelt? It's like it was in the grass, right? And it, it had a smell of apple. Sorrel. Tiny, sorrel. I don't know. Been sorrel. It might have been sweet woodruff. Which that was is more, it. That's more like once it's dried, it's got like it's got the same. It's got some very similar compounds to like cinnamon and vanilla. It's it's called coumarin, so it's it's right. the same compound you get in tonka beans. So that's a, mm. yeah. That's there's a lot of that around there. It lo- almost looked like had a sort of crest sort of look about it's, it. It's in the same family as sticky weed. So, right. you know, the one you st- you throw on each other's back. All right, yeah. yeah it's the same family. Is that yeah. where it all started? Basically. That's a bit of banter. I mean, it's gone too prob- far. probably. <laughs> probably. But yeah, no, you can, I mean, I can always go back. The chicken of the woods is easy because you'll always find it growing on the same area. So, I mean, different. obviously we don't, we don't need, we hope no one out there needs to be told. Don't just go off thinking you know what's what, take a load of mushrooms home. And eat them or cut them because you're quite likely to find some dodgy, right? Yeah, I mean, it's. You got, uh, is it, would you would you recommend people do that with a handbook, or do you just say start with an expert, learn what you're doing, and then do it? Depends how you learn. I would I would always I would say a book, at least like four or five books. Oh yeah, I remember you saying that. And then also not one book. Yeah, I mean, it's just how you interpret information and. Because there's no no actual accreditation in it in the UK, a lot of the books are written pretty well, but obviously it's it's a personal thing. So I often will uh, cross check books, but um, yeah, go out go out with. I mean, 
I learn better by listening to people and seeing things. So I would always say, go out with people. You'll never, you never get a better bit of advice than actually seeing it in real life and actually touching it and feeling it for yourself. Mm. You know, you're actually like, you're at more risk from plants than fungi, if I'm honest. Right. Because um, there's plants you can't touch, and there just doesn't seem to be this fear factor with them. But actually, like, there's some significantly dangerous plants that are absolutely everywhere. Whereas all fungi you can actually oh, touch. Um, and there's a there's a there's a fair amount that will make you sick, but the amount that actually will kill you, the risk of being deaded by a mushroom is is not as large as it is with plants. So if we're wandering around in in the bracken, yeah. I'm, I'm going. I've, I'm a, I'm a, my dog's ball's gone in the in the bushes. Right. I wander in. Yeah. Could I be rubbing shoulders or faces with killer weeds? Yes. But you say killer if you eat them, or killer like if there's there's killer if you eat them, and then there are ones that if I lick will, my finger. Mm, I think like there are ones that will like do give you like itches and sensations and yeah. burns and things but generally like consuming stuff is where the biggest risk is um i don't know of any plants that if you just like touch it you'll die but mm. uh i definitely know if you were like were grabbing at poison hemlock and crushing it between your hands and then you started licking the palms of your hands you'd be in trouble you'd, you'd, you'd be in trouble yeah right is the hemlock in britain yeah 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 because that's like I, my only my only reference for hemlock is reading about like ancient philosophers drinking it after saying something clever to die, saying the cleverest thing they've ever done. Right. Yeah, Socrates. I hereby decree <laughs> that this is the cleverest thing I've ever said. Give me the hemlock wallop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so Socrates was put to death by poison hemlock. He it was, was wasn't his, he? It was his chosen chosen plant to be deaded by. But uh, Didn't he make a speech after he'd taken it? It was, there was... Um, I mean, I know you're not there to was, check. It but. was documented, the impact of the poison on his body. Uh, documented by Plato, so I, I believe there was some sort of articulation of what the impacts of the poison was on his body, right. and it's it's pretty horrific for about four and a half hours, and then there's a period where your body basically just gives up, and people like apparently feel say they feel perfectly fine, and that in medical terms is known as the surge. It's just your body giving up before you die, and then you die. All right. So, I yeah. I read that he. He was like, right, so this is how it is, right? It's a little bit like having your say just after you've been sentenced. Is there anything you want to say to the yeah. court? But, and he basically gave like a sick burn speech where he was like, look what you've all become. <laughs> you people. Well, Yeah, I've had my hemlock. Yeah, let's see if this solves all your problems, you, you stupid idiots. And then, and then the bit that you just said. Yeah, the, the dying bit. The dying bit. But yeah, there is another one called Hemlock Water Dropper, which is, it is dangerous to touch as well. Um, so like, if you're like dealing with plants, like you're a gardener or like, you know, you're managing sites and removing weeds and stuff, there's always stuff to worry about. But yeah, I think just... Uh, is there anything growing abundantly in this country that you're like, why isn't everyone just having that all the time? Because we should all be making our own pesto out of whatever and whatever. Yeah, there's tons. I mean, I think like the risks of misidentifying things is the biggest well, issue. Yeah, I guess so. So, you know, I can find... Because I've done that in Asda with normal pesto and pesto light. Right, yeah. I mean... So you never know, do you? Yeah. What is pesto light? I think of? it's just got more lemon juice in it. Less cheese. Less cheese. More less green, less, less yellow. Right. 
but but yeah, I mean, okay, there there is a there is a very common plant called common mallow. It doesn't have a huge amount of flavor, but it's a very nutritious, tasty leaf that is used in the Eastern Mediterranean cooking. Oh, really? uh, another variety called jute mallow is used to make like soups, like a uh, called malakia in Egyptian or. Also, you'll find uh, it used like the original green shakshuka was using uh, jute mallow. Oh, really? um, there's a there's a dish um, that's using like green leaves to make patties, so burgers basically. Oh, really? And that's called a chubeza. So th- this particular family of the mallows is is where loads of really interesting things that we use sit. So cocos in that family, okras in that family. Um, but for some reason, common mallow that's all around us, literally everywhere, is not used in anything. And it's uh, it's an abundant green that you would probably not mistake for anything. Um, and if you really wanted to, and you had the time, you can even make something similar to a marshmallow out of its roots or really? something like that. What would it? What would its um, in its sort of veg veg vegetable state? What was it like? What is it like okra, for example? So it like looks, a sort of it looks like a sort of a straggly green with hexagonal right. leaves that have quite a sort of silky touch to them mm. they have purple flowers purple and white pink and purple and white flowers uh, in the summer um, after those flowers have been pollinated there's something they call a mallow cheese so it looks like a little little small green wheel of brie uh, that's got a very sort of right. very sort of like nice texture to it they're full of mucilage which sounds disgusting but you know in okra you overcook it it goes all sticky yeah that's mucilage so that same, right. that same texture is is the main item you're looking for when you're actually making original marshmallows out of a now protected plant called um, the marshmallow, believe it or not. Right. So yeah, that that is a very interesting compound. And that, when fermented and roasted, is also the reason you get really chocolatey flavors. Mm. So yeah, so if you're thinking about like how people find and use flavors, this particular whole family, there's loads of flavorful parts of it. But for some reason, we've we've given up on the mallow here. And uh, yeah, I only really knew about it from growing up initially because it was used to thicken like soups and stews by my nan. Mm-hmm. Just basically oh, used really? with some bay leaves and whatever herbs you had. If you, if you, if your car, oh no, we're not in a big enough country for this to be a problem. But let's, let's transpose you into a uh, Canada-sized Britain. Right. Your car, your van breaks down. Yeah. Lovely bit of kit, by the way, I've just been in it. Thank you. You've got your knife. You've got your stove. Right. How, how confident? How long do you think you can survive? Like, are you, are you just all right? Could you forage your way through the days for ages, or would you fall down on animals and lack of potatoes? <laughs> <laughs> I think lack of potatoes is probably what we'd all have an issue with, but that is something that we wouldn't have had. So, like, wild carbs aren't that available, right? Yeah. Like, right. So you is do, that why everyone started making bullshit out of wheat? Yeah, well, like I mean, things like that make us car- bloated. Carbs is uh, yeah. So like the root of burdock was commonly used. So that's the root that's fermented to make the dandelion and burdock drink. Right. But that's one of the most common wild carbs. Right. Obviously, as you're coming into summer, you got all your fruits and autumn sort of time. Yeah. So you eat all these sugars and you start to pack on fat ready for the winter. Mm-hmm. So that's when you're supposed to have your sugars, right? Like right. in terms of that period. Um, you have the roots of the family that has like all carrot and parsnip and all that. Um, but that is the family that also has poison hemlock and others. So you would need to know your stuff. You would need to be able to 
like dig things out of the ground without expelling more calories than are within the plant and know how to look for those and then you i guess like at this point in time we have a knife we are humans that are Mm. able to sort of understand where we get protein from so yeah you'd be you'd definitely be looking for some sources of protein from wild animals and stuff as well yeah but do you reckon you'd be all right for a few days? Sorry, that was the question. I'd be all right for a few days, but I don't think I'd enjoy doing it for an extended period of time. I'd be like, thank fuck George is here. And then you'd be like, yeah. don't pressure me like this. I'd be like... You'd be like, oh my God, we need a Morrison's. And yeah. I'd be like, no, we don't. This is it. This is the dream. We're with you. Yeah. And you're like, back off, guys. I'm a charlatan. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only pretending. Yeah, I mean, you definitely... I pressure. Think, I think you need to remember that there's no oil going on here. There's no flour. Mm. There's no sugar. I mean, yeah. unless unless you're like near the coast or you've figured out a way to gather salt, other than like dehydrating your tears. Uh, yeah, you, right you, enough. You need. It's, it's not going to taste that great. Yeah. Um, so these elements of farming and production in certain ways actually have allowed us to have food that we can recreate time and time again that we enjoy whereas if you go back to a situation where we had to completely fend for ourselves mm. i think you'd probably not really enjoy eating as much well if I'm, yeah if i'm perfectly honest. yeah you'd just be you'd be jumping for joy basically like a fly just eating what whatever's available yeah don't know if scarlet would you survive she'd find the truffles that'd be good scarlet ever found any truffles scarlet's a dog and is that a yes? Have you found any truffles? <laughs> yeah, we've, we're sitting on my sofa, Scarlet the dog, who there is some a little bit of video evidence of. She's now wagging her tail and looking at me, and in a way I sort of want her to bark, but I, you can't really tell a dog to bark, can you? I don't know. Speak. <laughs> She's not going to bark. Are you? Has... Um, I'm intrigued with it. I'm intrigued with where it takes your mind once you know all this stuff and you're aware of that and then that versus the sort of crap um, pretend food culture we live in in terms of supermarket shopping and the weird products that we all grew up eating in the 80s and 90s and whatever. Finder's crispy pancakes. Yeah, and all that, right? Has Has your knowledge of deep organic life like can you can you not look a fish finger in the eye or are you still do you have like your you know you still got a penchant for a a rustler's hamburger i've i've, I've never eaten <laughs> like, to be sorry fair, I have sorry one. i've never eaten a rustler's hamburger <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean though I, uh like does it feel like you're eating plastic and it's like uh, I, is it uh, like depressing it is depressing that, anyway isn't it? i mean that sort of stuff is is gr- is grim it is grim isn't it? it is when grim. you sort of know what's in it and yeah and i think you, you know, i i don't know like yeah understanding where your food comes from is is as important as you know enjoying your food right so mm. i think you should definitely look at the list of ingredients on anything that you're buying and if there's any more <laughs> if it's a ready-made meal and there's like half of it you don't understand then that's not good like that's not... yeah my bloody mum eats all that stuff yeah yeah and the thing is it's like even like mns whatever and it's like oh it's mns go yeah but it's just like this weird stuff in a with emulsifiers and all sorts of weird shit in, in a plastic tray 
Yeah. And you and you're calling it a chili con carne. Yeah, but you know, no, now we, none of us have time to make food properly anyway. Like it's like it's a full time job of someone that now has to go and freaking pack a box or deliver a deliver a sort of. It's thing. sad that you know I I do try to cook. I love cooking, so I cook. I cook basically sort of quite rustic home cooked sort of food, not chefy at all, but. I prefer. I, I'm happier when I'm when most of my meals through the week are, have been cooked by me. Mm. But since I moved here, there's there's a lot of variety around here, and even like in a quite a cheap way. Like for example, there's a brilliant uh, Arabic place called Al Moush, mm. which is near a couple of the pubs that I like, and you can sit in there and have like a shoulder of lamb on a m- big platter of rice with a salad and whatever for like eleven quid. Yeah, and it's been marinated for like seventeen hours. Yeah, but they're, they're, to be honest, they're probably making things better mm, than mm. buying a ready meal. Oh god, yeah, so yeah, like, like that. That for no, I'm I'm using that as a as a, a there are some bargains to be had around here for good mm. local you know eateries, but I don't go. What we've just done now because um, I, I will have already played the clip of us talking through our little bougie lunch. I don't eat like that hardly ever. No, neither do I. That was really nice, though. Yeah. I thought, you've made the effort to come down. When I came to you and we had a walk around Hastings, you took me in a pub that had some really nice stuff. Um, What was that pub called? It's called The Crown. The Crown. And they had some quite interesting bits and pieces on. Do you look for, not necessarily wild food, but I guess, you know, you've got quite uh, complex tastes as well now, right? So you're a bit bored if you just go in and it's like Cajun chicken burger. You know, you want to, you want something uh, a bit creative happening, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's probably down to the fact that I've always been into food, had my own restaurant, and mm. like going out to eat good food as well. So yeah, I'm I'm always looking for something special, but you know, I don't I don't spend ages cooking at home either. I do cook mm. just simple food. But um yeah, I, I will not just generally go into somewhere that's got a Cajun chicken burger. Mm. Uh I don't go I mean, you know, I don't go in and have mm. many like deep fried yeah. dinners as well. Yeah, yeah. And beige food. But that's just I don't know, I think um yeah, there's something to be said in terms of well cooked food with love that I seem to Yeah, like, caring about it, it seems yeah. to be the thing that like, you know, I'm not I'm no expert. Yeah. But, I'm not uh, all about foraging. I think I'm I'm actually more about like understanding the ingredients and like making the most of them and gathering them if I have to when they're at their best. But yeah, getting good quality ingredients is very important to me. Do you think you could see yourself ever doing a restaurant or venue again? Maybe. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, some, some, someone else can. <laughs> sure. Do you I need, need a singer <laughs> and someone that can do other basic things? <laughs> well, it depends what the basic things are. Do you need someone who huffs and puffs when he lifts a box? <laughs> uh, and then needs a couple of days sounds, off? Sounds like a health and safety <laughs> risk. <laughs> sounds like that. Well, I'm not wearing Crocs. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not fucking wearing Crocs. Are you going to take much time off work because you can't lift things up properly? Yeah. Okay. No, don't worry. No, me. I'd be all right. You can come and sing. I mean, it's an hour away, isn't it, Hastings? <laughs> it is, actually, yeah. It's a bit further than I thought. Anyway, 
I might do it again, but someone else can manage the staff. That ain't me. I'm not into that. Really? I reckon I'd be all right at that. Do you? And cust- good with customers. Yeah, yeah, Got yeah. the chat. Yeah, no, I like I like making things. So that's it. I can I can do that bit. I can cook food and make drinks and do weird weird infusions and flavors. But uh, yeah, I'm I definitely uh, would need someone to run the old HR. That's for sure. The one that turned me when you had the very limb arms, there was three or four sort of big glass. Uh, not jars, but like a what do you call it? A kilner, kiln. Yeah, yeah, with the taps it? on. Yeah, with the taps on, and they were all lovely. But when I'd had a couple of pints, and it was time to just sweeten the night off, the one for me was blackberry brandy. Yeah, was that literally get one of those big jars, pour a bottle of brandy in it, whack the blackberries in it, and let it do its work, or is there a few more bits? Uh, no, that was basically it. It was by like Napoleon brandy mm-hmm. and then pour that into the eight liter kilner and then put in, I think we did three kilos of blackberries for every six liters of brandy and then added 500 grams of sugar. Oh, yeah. And then like basically after two weeks, the infusion and all that sort of flavors have mellowed out mm. and then it's really, ta- yeah, that's really nice. And then if then that all a couple of weeks, yeah, the blackberry brandy is easy. It's oh, really? really good I might one. try and make that. With yeah, your, yeah. I might come round and you show me how to do it. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. And then um, you can also use the black, which we did a lot in the, um, we'd make brownies. And then just as it's sort of starting to get to sort of the midpoint of the bake, we would push in the brownie, the blackberries from the brandy oh, infusion. Yes. So it'd oh, be like, that is a touch. It's a, bo- a boozy, boozy infused, infused br- uh, black, blackberry. And he said blackberry. And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was it. When, when I lived in Village Unknown, that I never named the village because I've, I've taken the mickey out of the Facebook page so much. Right, you get in trouble, do you? Well, I haven't yet, but you know, on no, point being, no point being rude. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when I lived there and there was, around uh, the park, there was loads of slows and damsons. Yeah. And that's the only thing where I've, because someone's pointed them out and it's easy and then you look online and you go, brilliant, I know what I'm doing. Go out with a little plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Bought the jar from the garden centre. Mm-hmm. Bought my gin. Yeah, and you know, just basic recipe. I think it was four months, three or four months. It sat in my cupboard, and then uh, I probably got a bit excited and got it out like a few weeks early, mm-hmm. but uh, decanted it into two bottles and gave one away as a present and kept one. That's the only time I've ever done mm-hmm. like a natural food thing. But it was gorgeous. In fact, I only just—I don't know how long it's supposed to last once you've opened it. Last in indefinitely. Really? Yeah. So basically, it is, if it drops below about, I think it's sixteen percent alcohol. That's where some types of yeast will survive. But beyond that, you're all right. It'll be fine. Wow. Right. I think I might have panicked and got rid of it. Uh, no. It was probably like two years old, a year and a half old. No, they get better with age. Oh shit! You've. you've I'll thrown, do it again. You've thrown away the magic. I'm gonna make blackberry brandy, man. I'm gonna do it. Do blackberry brandy. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming at the moment you're not going to find a blackberry out there. No, they, they're, they're gone. They, you generally shouldn't have a blackberry after the 29th of September. I love that, how specific that is. It's uh, Michaelmas. So that's, oh. the day, that's the day Lucifer was kicked out of heaven by Michael, landed in a blackberry bush, and then pissed all over it and cursed it. 
Really? And then at that point, that's when all the blackberries go bad, and that's why you shouldn't pick them after the 29th. I think it's the 29th of September. It might be the 27th. Michaelmas. It's after Michaelmas, yeah. So why don't we still have Michaelmas? We should have. We should still have just, these it's dates, just, right? It's just a forgotten, forgotten Christian holiday, basically. I'm having it. I'm reviving it. Yeah, I pickle them blackberries. That's really pickle nice. on the mickle. I pickle them. I make a nice pickle with them. It's really good. Recommend that as well. So, like, what's that? Br- briefly, that's like red wine and red wine vinegar mixed together. I bring it to the boil, and then once it's boiling, I normally chuck in a stick of cinnamon and let it cool down. And that is a pickling solution that I put blackberries in. So when you gather them, I I make a a syrup, I make a pie filling, I make the blackberry brandy, I make um, a chutney, I make you know all sorts of different stuff. And then I also do a pickled blackberry, which means I can use them on dishes. So I often do them nowadays with like black black and beetroot. With pickled blackberries is a oh, absolute massive now, now. combo, and then those pickled blackberries are also good with desserts. And the pickling juice you can also use in like making a shrub, so like a, a vinegar-based cocktail drink. Oh, really? There you go. And also, like I've heard that the Swedish, when they do um, Swedish meatballs, mm-hmm. pickle juice is an ingredient that lifts up the gravy a yeah. little bit. Like I guess instead of wine or whatever, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah you so hear, the sort you of vinegary hear. bit of the sauce, yeah. And you get so like pickle that, like, juice as a thing to to add to a gravy type situation to give it that sort of booze fruity yeah, bit and that sharpness. Yeah, yeah, definitely that's, lifts that's, it. That's lovely. That the, is. Uh, also, like though, like uh, Eastern Europe, but like a lot of people who make like various cucumber pickles will use that brine and the, some of the cucumbers in in soups and stuff as well. Yeah, like yeah, borscht yeah. as well is often yeah, people yeah. will put in their their ferment or their their sort of brines and pickled juices that will. Really so somewhere you've got a workshop slash shed situation with lots of potions and bits and pieces in yeah, it, right? Yeah. Could I come up and see you do stuff in there sometime? Yeah, you can. Yeah, next time. Bring, yeah. Bring your mics. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I will. Bring it. We'll and make we'll make some blackberry brandy. And you make. Let's just tell everyone you make content to show people this kind of stuff, right? Uh, where's yeah. the best place for people to find you online and uh, on socials? Instagram, Flavor Fred. And then I am flavorfred.com and I kind of do a few others, but not really with any intent to develop them specifically for those platforms. But yeah, you'll find me on TikTok and Facebook as well. But um, but you also do experiences, right? So people oh, can right. come and hang out and yeah, do walks. Yeah, so and- the idea of my what I do is I, I run events where I take people on walks. I'll also do like private sessions. I take, sometimes I do staff training. And then I also supplement my income with the other things that I like to do that we had at the pub. So all the ferments, all the pickles, all the booze, I also sell. And yeah, I'm up for doing anything really. I'd like if, if people have a project they want to work on where it's to do with like wild ingredients, I'm, I'm in. Um, but yeah, anything really. I'm, I'm about to start doing some walks with the Woodland Trust, uh, which are quite well known for sort of discouraging the idea of foraging um, and for me it's definitely more about I do enjoy the idea of finding wild ingredients but I also enjoy explaining to people that there are other ways to be responsible and respectful when in nature there's other things going on more than just us getting food obviously so yeah absolutely. that is a massive sort of aspect of what I teach so the ingredients I gather are gathered in a way that I know that they're items that are that are abundant. So um, yeah, I remember about 
four or five years ago, probably just before the COVID times, there was starting to be a bit of a problem. Everyone thinking they could just help themselves to wild garlic, weren't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. Was I it mean, wild garlic? Wild garlic is, 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 I mean, I think some people in certain places will happily have people take wild garlic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is such a problem. Yeah, but yeah. But then there's also the other aspect of it that there's, you're ripping up wild garlic. You're, you're, tr- you're walking off the track. Yeah. You are destroying the diversity that exists in other areas and the ecologies and the mm. communities that have built up in so nature. So it's worth, worth checking that, you know, where's the spot nearest you where... Well, don't be an if, idiot, basically. Yeah. Is like, well, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you're doing all right. I think you're doing okay. <laughs> but I, 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 honestly, I, I honestly... No one's ever said it that directly to me before. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. It was that. It was that lunch. Just stop being a <laughs> fuck's sake! You've only been with me three hours. Yeah, sorry. No, you're a good judge of character. I'll give you I, that. I honestly think that people just need to be a little bit more thoughtful. That it's not just you know, it's not just about us and our, you know, going on our walks with our dogs and getting these things. There are you know, there's many things going on. And if we lost you know all the mm. little bugs and creatures God, yeah. in the garden you know they actually are doing some important stuff that we fuck yeah we barely understand so do you worry about the bees i worry about the bees i worry about the bugs i worry yeah, about the bugs is like mad isn't it? yeah and it's like real there's like i don't know what the, the stats are but we're talking like shitloads of normal insects and yeah. everyday outdoor mm. bugs are like disappearing from the system right the fact that we we don't really understand what's going on in the soil that well yet and we are happy just to absolutely like destroy it is a big concern. So yeah, you know, I uh, I am that stuff does bother me, but that's mm. education, and that is that's more that something that I am learning more about and talking about more about. So kids, yeah. kids will love all this though, right? Because it's like this thing where it's like, oh, we've all become disconnected, and there's been years of stories of like, oh, you know, like. There's kids in school that don't realise that an egg's from a chicken and all of that because they just sort of have their ready meal at home and whatever. Yeah. But from uh, we had, I had, a, I did a pod. I've got a, an offshoot podcast called Tea and Empathy, where we just have a nice chat with someone they don't know very well. And my first ever guest on that was called Ricky, and he works for a company called Tree Action. Right. And so kids have been getting in a bit of trouble. It's like they like. They're trying to deal with these kids, and they're, but they're not being given like productive things to do. So mm. they started this thing where they had, had them going out and sorting out the sort of mix of things that need planting in certain areas to get everything sort of mm-hmm. back to being a good system again. And it's really successful because kids will love it if you're telling them something. Yeah. And they sort of can't believe it. Like something as basic as a how to plant a tree. Mm. And then they, and this was really sweet. He told me that, uh, like, you know, quite a sort of uh, cheeky little teenage lad who's been in a bit of trouble goes on this day with him and they plant the tree and whatever. And then um, Ricky found out a day or two later that uh, he took his mates to see it. Yeah. That's so sweet, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, like, that it's all too easy just to have, I mean, like, you know, sit them down in front of a TV or in front of an iPad or whatever and then yeah. they, can, they can do whatever they want to do to keep them quiet. But actually spending time outdoors it i mean unsurprisingly has been proven to show how beneficial it is and people are genuinely interested and do you know what? it's mm. pretty pretty interesting yeah it is bloody like, amazing yeah and so you know i i think it's amazing that someone 
bothers to learn about stuff that uh, it's it's stuff that's all around us, and we, we don't really know where we are, what's around us. So I salute you, sir. Thank you. And uh, I can't wait to come and hang out and have an, uh, a forage. Yeah, we can do a maybe a can, rummage. A rummage, yeah. <laughs> we can, we can, we can do some sort of fondling of some fruits. Yeah. To make some more ferments and fantastic yeah. concoctions. Yeah, I'll skip through a meadow. Yeah, you can. I'll whip you with. Yeah, a, whip whip the grass I'll, out the way. Oh. Quite a masterful way. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll. And then we'll just fall into a barn. Sc- scatter some rose petals, <laughs> and you'll 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 trip over a. <laughs> I, just oh, had to st- I had to stop. It was getting, yeah. Let's just it stop get, there. It was getting too real. It's getting heavy. I know. Scarlet's yeah, um, yeah. You, the, you know, I was, I've been saying to everyone, I don't, I can't be doing with a dog, but this is the first time I've had a dog in my flat here, and she's making me feel very relaxed and cuddly. It's very nice. Yeah, she's a good one. She's she knows when to uh, when to chill. Yeah, she's fun when you're on the beach, and then uh, indoors, she seems to like to. I feel the same, to be honest. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready for like about about a nine hour lie down. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we did just have quite. A we lunch. have. We have. We've gone. <laughs> we've we've gone quite fancy there. Well, I mean, yeah. And next time we reacted to the to the challenge. We did. We were supposed to be foraging, <laughs> and then it absolutely hammered it down like two or three times in a, about an hour and a bit. Yeah. And I was like literally on my way. To meet George in Abbotswood, was it? Yeah. And I rang and went, um, this is a bit heavy, isn't it? We went, oh, maybe I'll come to you then. I went, all right. I just couldn't, I couldn't go right any any old pub. So we went to the Ginger Pig. And we will resume this, this episode at Abbotswood. Magically, I'll take you there now. Oh, it's the future. Come on, George, let's go to Abbott's Wood in the future. Are you ready? Here we go. <laughs> Spotter's badge to those that identify that we mentioned one woodland several weeks ago and then met at another. Ooh. Right then. In the spirit of uh, why I wanted to talk to Flavor Fred in the first place, yeah. we are now... It's another day, and we've met. We've met on a day where it's not raining. In fact, it's gorgeous today, isn't it? Stunning. And we're at Frinton Forest. Friston. All right. <laughs> Cut. Yeah. We're at Friston Forest. Correct. Where we've just parked up. Yes. And I've gone. Uh, have you got a load of food for me then? Like, Flavor Fred's already going to have a load of scran with him. But instead, we're having a mooch around, even though it's January, yeah. to see if we can find any mushrooms and stuff, which we might cook later. Yeah, this is this is the most destitute time of year, so yeah. we're going to really prove a point if we actually find some dinner. Well, I mean, yeah, so from a survival point of view, you're up against it here, mate. Yeah, this is this is the time where I've gone into hibernation. I've, you know, done what bears do. And, uh, yeah, nah, it's cold. It's been frosty, which also isn't good. Should but, we be um, down a hole with a load of berries? We should. We should, we should have, uh, 
packed our asses with berries and uh, prepared for hibernation. Does anyone, anyone do that? <laughs> I can't remember, but I think bears do do a... Uh, what, they put berries up their ass? I think they do pack things into their bum before they hibernate, yeah. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Never thought of that. Anyhow. Anyway, that's where, that's here we where, are. That's how we start. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking glorious today. It's mi- minus two or something. But it's beautiful. Blue skies. And I've not actually uh, seen a lot of the countryside around Brighton because I've right. just been marvelling at the sea since I arrived. Well, we'll walk down but to the sea as well. But here we are. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Let's see if we can find anything interesting. If yeah. anything, and right, so I know it's like a freezing cold day, but if generally speaking, if you were having a mooch around here, vaguely in winter time. Yep. What would you be expecting to find, maybe, if now, you're lucky? Uh, so we're winter mushrooms, so we'd be looking for... We'd find oyster mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, velvet shank, which are a species that uh, basically uh, you'll find all over the world in different varieties, but the most well-known version of it is inokitaki, which is, um, you know those little clustered spindly mushrooms you'll get? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is in the same family as what you'll find here. Right. But they're just cultivated in, in the dark. Uh, basically, they start from the light and make them grow towards the light. So the wild variety's got colour and sort of still has that sort of clustered base, but looks very different to the commercially grown enoki. So we might find that. Hopefully we will. Uh, we're to be looking... fair, it's warming up. Uh, the, yeah, the, the, the sunlight might actually help us out here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm prepared, though. So. Yeah? Uh, jelly ear, which is um, the wood ear mushroom you'll find in a lot of Asian cookery, right. is all over. It's been a little dry the past couple of days, so they might look more like black crusts rather than the wibbly wobbly jelly fungus that people may know. Uh, greens wise, I mean, there'll be nettles, we'll see some Alexanders, so I, doubt, I have no doubt of that. Right. Uh, obviously, we can start to see some of the shoots of the fresh greens, maybe even some wild garlic, three-cornered leek. Uh, On the fringes of paths, we'll find selections of seeds for sure, as well as some of the, uh, some of the sort of the more, the plants that have sort of been cut back here and there. So things like hogweed and dandelion and stuff, we'll definitely see. Uh, But um, yeah, I'm, I'm still on the mushroom vibe. And uh, Scarlet's with us as well, so yep. we might ask her to try and find some Scarlet. Hey, hey Scarlet's got a cigar, look at her. <laughs> She's like Boss Hog from Dukes of Hazard. Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. I'm sorry, we're not playing with sticks all day. We're going to find truffles. No, okay. I think we're almost at the point. It's, Jan- well, it's January, what is it today? Tenth, the 10th? Yes. Yeah. Uh, by the time this this episode, I'll probably put out next week. So you know, it'll be the middle of January, and it feels the right thing to put this out as soon as possible. Yeah, but I've done a few. But other... it's like it's the saddest, bluest part of the year, right? And yeah. actually, this is the most uh, cut off from that feeling I've felt in a few weeks. Oh, nice. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a bright day, so that's nice. But uh, it's a night day. nature, it's a being outside get to the woods even if you have to be wrapped up and it's not the best weather it's just so much better for your head so this tree is dead 
right yeah as you can see yeah you'll also notice we've got all of these little sort of shelfy bracket mushrooms the word really isn't mushroom like, yeah well, they're, they're like knobbly it's a, little it's a little like yeah 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 so so this particular fungi yeah is known as the birch polypore Wow. So when you see, I mean, just at the very basic, most basic level, what you see here is the apple of the tree, right? This is the fruiting body. Yep. Inside this dead sort yeah. of trunk is all the main part of the fungi. So the mycelium, oh. think of it as like a network of tendrils, Fuck. putting out something similar to stomach acid, breaking down the inside of the wood, gaining that energy, swelling, growing. And then when it's eaten enough of the inside of this tree, it needs to find other places to break down and eat, right? So this is the fruit. The yeah. seeds drop out from here. Yeah. So this underside, this sort of porous surface, is all tubes where the spores will drop out from. So that's the seed. So right? what that was basically doing, a bit like a flower, was sticking out of the tree to try and drop seeds to do some more, to get into the ground again to start exactly. again. Exactly. So the tree's dead. Um, it's probably been involved in its decay. Uh, if not, it definitely came in at some point because of the spores from another one of these uh, basically got inside this tree. So the way it works, once it's eaten So the mushroom enough, may have killed the tree. So there's some... So basically, this is, this is known to be more... It is slightly uh, parasitic, but there mm. are other fungi that are parasitic, yeah. much more so. Levels. Yeah. There's levels. Saprophytic is ones that actually will take something that is dead and break it down. Is it, is it more like a... What's the word? A uh, squatter? Uh, so, the mushroom's gone well, here. Oh, look, this, this, it is, this'll do. This Moved it, in. Well, this, this is a pretty good squatter because yeah. what, it, what it also does is it um, has a compound within it to stop any other fungi breaking down this tree. Yeah. So, like, it's basically got in there here, it's eaten oh, it all up, man. and it's put something out there to stop any other fungi breaking it down. Jesus. I always think of it like I went to a really grim boys' school yeah. uh, growing up, and, like, people would spit on their chips. So you oh, can yeah, eat yeah. their chips. Yeah, it yeah. spits on its, its host, basically. Um, but anyway, the, the whole process is that this has eaten so much of this tree yeah. that it puts out the fruiting body. Yeah. And the fruiting body from these tubes on the underside, you can even peel it away. It's frozen to hell. But um, There's actually a whole bit of the trunk there that's... Uh, fallen down. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll, you'll see the... Let's try not to cut my hand off. Yeah, careful. It's quite stiff. It's quite hard, isn't it? Yeah, so you can sort of I'm see here this this... That is the spore-relating surface, which I like yeah, saying out loud. It's hard, that. It's like very hard rubber. Yeah. Um, it's also frozen. And um, what happens is, is these spores drop out in their tens of thousands, millions, depends on the variety. But once they enter the air, they'll look to meet their perfect partner. So oh, there is a mating shit. process, Fuck. which also needs to happen next to the right environment. Right. So once they meet at the right environment, so another dead birch or decaying birch, right. those two spores meet, they've met their perfect partner, they're in the right environment. They then form into the very base, basic sort of starting point of the mycelium. It's, it's known as hyphae. Fuck. So think of it as like the tenth of the size of a human hair. Yeah. And it, it basically gets in and then it does the same thing again. So it puts out an acid yeah. uh, to break down the, the lignin, the hardwood. But are there, are there trees here where, would it, would it, if you like, know that it's come up against a tree where it's not going to get in? Or yeah, that's, it won't work. It so won't work. This particular mushroom, I've never found it on, this particular fungi, I should say, I've never found it on anything other than birch. I do, there is evidence that it's been trained onto other trees, but um, it is Shit. certainly something. That's and amazing. <laughs> Tell me what you just told me about the zombie, the zombie... So we were just talking about different types of fungi 
and uh, we spoke about parasitic fungi, which will go uh, out once the spores have done their thing, they've met in the right place, they will kill their host. But uh, the most talked about ones of late are the the ones that um the cordyceps right. so uh the cordyceps there's a there's a type that was on green planet and uh yeah it's often talked about so what they do is they basically their host gets zombified so what is their host a bug so in this instance it's, it's a it's a type of bug right. ant uh things like that yeah and so there's there's a type that i think is in the amazon that they they basically confuse the brain enough of these particular bugs yeah. to make them climb really high up. Fuck. And once they get as high as they can go, they then basically kill them. Yeah. So they, they then fruit. So that explodes out of their heads and brains. It kills the ant. And because yeah. they're so high up, the spores yeah. that they're looking to drop are at the highest point. So they cover a much bigger area. Yeah, one way so of doing it. So they have a way of controlling brains in some sense. So this thing's going right. We need, right, lads. We need, we need more coverage. Yeah. We need to spread the word of, yeah. of us. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't think they need to spread the word. I think they are very. They much are the word. The word, yeah, in my opinion. So, yeah. what are we going to do? That we're going to go in, inside an ant. Yeah. Confuse it so it goes up a tree and then blow the fucker up. Yeah. And then all the bits will land everywhere and the word will be spread. And you can cover, yeah. Game over. Much more ants, yeah. And as I think, as you said, that's what inspired the, uh, the Last of Us. The Last of Us. Yeah, so it's about a mutation of the cordyceps that then take over the human body down to climate change, etc. Very, very poignant. Uh, so it's not impossible that that could happen. Well, it, no, it's not. It's um, for me, like, there's, there's often a time where I'm like, how would I like to go? I yeah. think about it quite a bit. So, like, obviously, they, they do that to bugs. We've got one in the UK called the Cordycep militaris, which um, makes, like, grubs burrow down and they explode up out of the forest floor that way. Yeah. Um, but um, for me, oyster mushrooms are omnivores. Yeah. So they actually need to gather nitrates. So as they are breaking down dead wood, there's lots of nematodes, so microscopic little worms. Right. Um, and what they do is the mycelium, so I told you they're like little tendrils. Yes. They form into a lasso. And wow. they, they lasso around these passing worms, pull them in, yeah. and suck out their insides. <laughs> so I often oh, think man. if there's anything to mutate yeah. to kill another species, probably humans, It'll be that. I would love to be walking past a massive tree yeah. and then just like a massive fallen like tree and just be sucked yeah. in and like yeah. all my insides taken Take out. Take all the marrow out of you. Yeah, get all that good stuff, you know. And then a load of mushrooms grow out of you. It's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. perfect ending, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously. Like, the husk is, of George covered if, in mushrooms. That's <laughs> when like... I'm buried, I, I do want to be uh, infested with fungi. That is, that is without that. You want to cut into the woods? Yeah, man. As long as you go. don't hurt me. Got a knife. You have got a knife. This is the most. This is the furthest into the woods I've been with a stranger with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Good job I've got all these ropes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's the masking tape for? That's. Uh... <laughs> that's cool, man. Yeah. Why the? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Why the circle of people with hoods on? That's great. I mean, it's really good. Why are we walking towards a burning effigy? <laughs> hey, that effigy looks like me. And uh, the only thing that would make this any more perfect and magical would be Ewoks. <coughs> We're checking out the mushrooms.
and surely enough, rather like Porcini, they've come back to life. They look are they really... alive or are they just no, wet? No, these, these are just rehydrated. Let me see if I can get an angle where I'm... Do you want me to hold it for a sec? Uh, let me just pull it out and then... Got a spare hand if you need a hand. I'll put them in your hand. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. There you go. So what were these called again? So these are wood ear mushrooms or jelly ear mushrooms. They're not going to make me climb up a tree and explode. <laughs> no, I mean, there's your, there's your ear. Oh, yeah. There you go. That was black like 10 minutes ago. Now it's brown, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, sh I should hammer this, yeah? It, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a, a jelly. <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. Mm. I mean, it doesn't, it's got, got a lot of flavour. No. But it's, it's got a lot of texture. But it's definitely food. And I've not had any of that this morning. Yeah. Enjoy that. Mm. That's got a bit of bark on it, that bit. <laughs> Bark's worse than its bite. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I like I like the uh, I do like the texture. I can imagine that carrying like vinegary stuff very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good one. See, that sounded like a chef then, didn't I? You did that vinegary stuff. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> right, nice. Mm. We will enjoy. This is probably a good point at which to say what you actually said to me, and you actually said this the other day. What's that? Is um, right. Meet me in the forest in the morning. I'll, I'll make a barbecue. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So I got up this morning, thought, yeah. oh, I won't eat because yeah. George is going to cook me like a deer or something yeah. with a load of woodruff and mushrooms. Yeah. And uh, we're going to have the best banging, yeah. gamey kind of breakfast sandwich I've ever had in my life. I haven't delivered. But, but instead, you've stolen my water yeah. to... Uh, Reconstitute seven mushrooms. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm, I'm impressed. Make you eat them. I'm still impressed. <laughs> Do you want to eat something? No. Here you go. Here's some more. Oh berries. god. Well, I've had one damson. No, I've had one slow. You had a slow. That was nice. Uh, I bet that sort of got your stomach moving. It did. But anyway, I mean, I think wild food is full of risks. It's, it's not this. Yeah. Happy, gleeful gathering, like popping out of a woodland with a basket full of ingredients. It's genuinely like, there's medicine, there's edibles, there's loads of history, but there's also a lot of danger as well. So I think, yeah, that, you know, you even nowadays, mushrooms in my, in my face. Yeah, but you know, that, that's uh, very commonly like, it's different when you sort of get a bit deeper. cool was that how cool is it hearing george in full flow right i'm calling him george but he's flavor fred george fredenham i've probably called him fred half the time and george half the time and i've also got a son called george so it's up to you to untangle that <laughs> anyway how freaking cool is it to hear george aka flavor fred in full flow just walking around in the wilderness, pointing at things and having a depth of knowledge that is absolutely a sight to behold. Um, you feel like you are learning at all times when you talk to this guy. Absolutely love him. Um, when I got home and sort of figured out all the bits that I'd uh, recorded when we were walking around, it turned out there was like 30, 40 minutes of it. I thought, well, maybe that's a bit too much to tack on to the episode. So what I'm going to do is do a separate edit 
of the uh, all of the bits that I think are interesting from when we were walking around. And also I took some photos of the various bits and pieces that we stopped to look at. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a separate post for the Patreons only, an exclusive wild forage um, special of, yeah, deeper deeper um, stuff with, with me and Flavor Fred in the woods, backed up with some photos of the bits and pieces we were talking about. It's genuinely amazing. And I will probably also make some little assets to put on Instagram and that to sort of tempt a few people in. Um, it's a good example of the sort of thing that uh, people who uh, join Patreon and um, are very generously um, contributing around about a five or a month to my creative endeavours. It's a, it's a good example of the sort of extra stuff that you get if you do that. Obviously, anyone's welcome to listen to this podcast wherever you find your podcasts for free. But I will always be promoting the extra bits and pieces and goodies that I put in Patreon only because it, it really is uh, extra value. And I do I go to a lot of effort to put those bits in. I make... I make things like well, the edit I'm going to do for George uh, and Fred, the same person. Um, <laughs> um, I make tea and empathy, where I meet strangers in cafes and have intimate, beautiful chats with them and all sorts of humanity uh, is exchanged. I also make the Busking Chronicles, where I go off and interview musicians that I've met along the way on my little journey because I've been doing music again. And I have little uh, interviews and uh, do little strums with people and then do a little cover and then maybe they sing one of my songs with me. And, you know, it's it's quite a bit of work. Every week um, I'm, I'm determined to turn this into a proper functioning, you know, kind of creator um, ecosystem. Oh, it's an ecosystem. <laughs> I mean, it's good, isn't it? But anyway, yeah. Uh, if you would like to come and check out Patreon, please do so. The extra special Fred Forage bit I will probably put up beginning of next week. I need to edit that properly. And um, I will, if you follow me on Instagram, which is at Stupid Hearts Club, that's where I will always tell people that um, that I've just put something special up. Also going to be doing the same on TikTok, which I've not really got my head around yet, and uh, YouTube, because we're going we're gonna to start making an effort to have a video element to the show. So, yeah, lots of interesting stuff happening. Got all sorts going on. Um, thanks so much to everyone who listens. That was a brilliant episode, and I plan to do lots and lots more of this uh, calibre and beyond. See you next time, guys.